What's happening? Hour number three, Jay Martin and Ramon on this Monday. A little chilly out. Yesterday was a lot of rain. Yes, it was. It came down yesterday. Yeah. Animals two by two outside. <laughs> this is another one of those days you open the front door and Margo's just kind of like, you must be joking. You going to go out. I'm going right back to the couch. <laughs> and please bring a milk bone on your way back. Because I did go to the door. That's the one. You still give me a treat. Six one five seven three seven one zero four five. Jason Martin, eleven year NFL veteran, involved for life. Ramon Foster, Jonathan Schaefer on Twitter at jmart and Ramon. Cousin Justin trying to win the title, mm-hmm. trying to win a petty yeah. championship right now. He submitted something that's like. Cousin Justin Brinkley tweets at jmartin Ramon most, and this is top of the hour top comment. Most favorite non-sports memory happened this weekend when I forced my wife to walk around Love's Travel Stops until I heard at Schaefer on Sports' voice tell me the shower was ready. She responded with who? <laughs> who? 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 And then there's a video of him actually doing it. So it wasn't just a joke. Uh, no, he was really there and waited around for Shafe to say shower number five. Far Sender says, just happy I get to listen, watch you guys live. Been watching past broadcasts on YouTube, but it's a different seeing it happen live. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Wax on. Wax off. Wax off. <laughs> Keep begging for it, Ramon. I might play it, I might not. <laughs> look, look at Shay. Safe trying Shay, to win the title. Safe trying to win the title. You turn the camera on the belt, though, so everybody see a sitting position. I can do that in a moment. Hold on. He's like, yeah, 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 whatever, Ramon. Do the show. I got this. All right, let me just read. Well, as we change the camera around so that you can see the Petty Championship, which made its debut finally on Saturday night at Bridgestone Arena. Mm -hmm. And continue to let us know your favorite uh, sporting events you've ever attended in person. We're going to run through a lot of those after we talk to Coach Mack. Yeah. I'm just going to read this directly from The Athletic. Let's hear it, man. Five consecutive winning seasons across two coaching staffs have masked a poor run of early drafting for the Titans, a run execs think could worsen after Tennessee used its first-round pick for a cornerback with two back surgeries in his medical file. Caleb Farley at number 22 seemed like a risky pick for a team whose 2020 first-round choice, Isaiah Wilson, is already out of the league. Quote, if the corner becomes a good player, God bless him, but his medical was terrible. You look at the Isaiah Wilson pick last year, then you have Weaver in the fourth round this year with an assault case that comes out. Then you go back and look at all the fifth-year options that were declined, and then the one they picked up was for a Dory Jackson who they cut. There are a lot of mishaps there that it seems like just aren't being talked about, unquote. Uh, another GM says they like the Raiden's pick in the second round, but they're way more worried about Farley's back than some of the other injuries for guys in the first couple of rounds. Okay. First of all, not good. No. Not good at all. Not good at all, according to the article. But here we go again. Sources without names. Here we go again. Are these GMs from the AFC South wanting to make John Robinson look bad? I would think so. Because last time we heard from anonymous sources speaking directly about the Tennessee Titans when it came to real personnel matters... Uh, it was the COVID outbreak mm-hmm. where one guy said they're going to get suspended for it. Vrabel's going to get suspended for a year. John Robinson's going to get suspended for a year. They're going to have a, what, $10 million, $10 million dollar fine, fine, lose draft picks in the first and second round. Uh, how many of those things happened? $300,000. 
Like nothing happened. That was it. I think it was 300 grand. A drop in the bucket happened. That was it. I'm not saying these things are false. I'm saying there's always reasons for people saying what they say. Mm -hmm. I'm worried about the medical for Caleb Farley, too. The one thing I don't like is hearing his medical was terrible. But that also goes into, Jay. But is it true? What is terrible? This kid, clearly, I'm I'm sure Big Jeff's ACL was a terrible thing, too. How is that? paid off and i know that's acl versus a back issue but if a gm is saying this is uh, this is my take on this is this is actually more common than you know than they speak of the reason is a big thing now because the guy's a young guy first round draft pick hadn't really played yet i, I don't take it for much honestly other than somebody's just having a, a very candid conversation about what they think and that also is opinion based when it comes down to it you, you got to ask yourself, over the last few years, how have you felt about the Titan situations when it comes down to players' health? A Dory pops up. Ryan Suckup pops up. Ryan Suckup pops up. But as a whole, that's two out of five years when it comes down to it. And you also got to ask yourself this. Even after the fact, look at a Dory situation. He was one of the highest-paid corners in the offseason this year. Yep. And look at Ryan Suckup's situation. He just won the Super Bowl. So are they off? Do you trust the Titans medical staff enough to say, you know what? Well, maybe this is a slander campaign. Okay, it could be. The other could thing be. the other thing I'll say is this. When we were listening, we'll give him a plug. Yeah. When we were listening to Sam and Steve yep. in a PFF podcast on way back from Knoxville. They were running through the first couple of rounds in the draft and the hit rate on various positions. Yeah. Okay. One of the worst positions in terms of hit rate in the draft is corner. Because a lot of corners get drafted in the first round. A lot of them don't pan out. Mm-hmm. But this was a, a position of need. Greg Newsom also had a little bit of injury stuff in his past as well, even though he was the guy that I liked personally. Yeah. And then I started coming around more and more to the idea that Elijah Moore, uh, if you didn't think you could get him in the second round, that I was beyond cool with you going with him in the first round. But – the hit rate in the draft in general still isn't all that good. There's a lot of first-round talent that doesn't end up being anywhere near first-round talent. I was t- I was hosting on Fox Sports Radio with a longtime guy in Dallas, Matt Mosley, on Saturday, and he was saying it's now obvious Leighton Vander Esch was a, was a miss. See what I'm saying? Jalen Smith out of Notre Dame coming back from a, from serious, a serious injury. Serious situation. Good, but not anything like spectacular, right? I mean, but but Dallas paid him as if exactly. he was good. Adoree Jackson was okay, but the Giants just, in my opinion, overpaid it's for 13, him. Thirteen a year, right? Yeah, overpaid for him. Like it's such a crapshoot. It is. John Robinson, his mo has always been: I'm going to take a risk when it comes to injuries. None of this is news that Caleb Farley had questions in medical. Right. I think it's just the word terrible that makes this thing stand out. That's why when I read it, I was just like, well, wow. And then it just goes into, well, here's Weaver and what happens here. Here's the Dory Jackson. Here's fifth-year options that are declined and all this kind of stuff. Quote, there are a lot of mishaps there that it seems like just aren't being talked about. That sounds like, screw you, John Robinson. Whoever said that, had a purpose to say that. Oh, yeah. And this is the thing, too, about the fifth-year option. Um, Conklin comes in mind. Adoree comes in mind. Who's another first-round as of race? Jeff is in that fold. 
Um, but just looking down the line, Conklin still playing all pro that was, if not the highest paid right tackle in the game, all pro pro bowl guy, a Dory, like you said, just broke the bank again. Um, and sometimes you're just going to miss on first round. You get four years and then you, you roll. That's how it go. I mean, Pittsburgh just turned down their first round draft pick over Mika Fitzpatrick. I mean, the talent has to be there to justify it. And the thing is, if they're, Good enough, another team is going to benefit from You just cut bait earlier because it's not the performance that you want. What would you rather them have? Pick up every fifth-year uh, every fifth year option and have a team of just stragglers, in a sense? Or would you rather find another guy? I feel like if you're if you're comparing the potential of Adore versus what happened with Caleb Farley, from what I've seen from Farley when he's healthy, this guy is a one-on-one matchup that you just – he's I call him a mirror. He's following yeah. guys footstep for footstep and if making plays. If play. he's healthy. If he's healthy. thing about it is it's a, it's a risk that was taken, but it's a risk that was taken with knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like the, It's not like they didn't know what they were doing here. They know the possibility that this has to go belly up. Mm-hmm. And coming off what happened in the first round last year with Isaiah, this is one they can't get wrong. We said that going into every show said that going into the draft this year. Everybody on this station said the same thing. This was a thing you couldn't get wrong. The draft is a thing you couldn't get wrong. Why was the Weaver thing a problem last week? Because this is the one thing John Robinson couldn't get wrong was the draft. And at least there's some reason to speculate that you got it wrong. And and even on the Weaver thing, which is still just murky as as can be, you got to think to yourself, like, that wasn't their intention on having something like this happen after they picked them. Of course not. Uh, it's, it's so me not trying to defend the action. Of course, it looks way guilty than it should be right now as far as the Weaver situation, you know, and just everything else surrounding that. But also you look at the Caleb Farley situation. Now you got to ask yourself in, in, in general, in recent history, how has this risk paid off for the Tennessee Titans when drafted an injured person? Are you comfortable with, with that last situation? I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy with what's happened with Jeff. That's what I'm saying. So let's say it's 50 50. I mean, you get it right. Eventually, you're going to crap out on this, but here's the thing Caleb Foley could be healthy and still bust. That's my, that's the overarching point is the draft is hard. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to do. A lot of very smart people make really bad choices Mm -hmm. that even look good in the moment and then turn out to be bad choices later on. It's certainly not It's not a cut and dry thing. It's not 2 plus 2 equals 4. There's a lot more that goes into the into the makeup of it. Um we know somebody who has dealt with the draft for a long long time on the inside and that's coach Dave McGinnis who breaks it down for us on Titans Radio and here on 1045 Zone but drafted himself has been in a lot of draft rooms. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what this source said and what you think of anonymous sources in general when they seem so damning, like this piece from Mike Sando in The Athletic. Coach Mack is next. J. Martin Ramon, 104.5 The Zone. J. Martin Ramon, 104.5 The Zone, powered by all four Seasons Garage doors right here in Nashville. All four of the number four. All four seasonsgarages.com slash Nashville. 150 years residential and commercial experience. Our question after we were with some of the listeners Saturday night, at the Predators game, what's the coolest sporting event you've ever attended in person? Tony Liebrich has a hell of an answer mm. and a photo of him and his son. Me and my son were fortunate enough to have badges for Saturday and Sunday at the 2018 Masters. Watching Tiger do what he did in person with my son is something I will never forget. It will be very difficult to top for us. 
uh, I, I want to go to Augusta in the worst way and have never <laughs> gone. And I'm hoping that that changes at some point in time. Uh, I'm sure this guy's got quite an, he's got answers of things he attended while he was part of them and maybe attended when he wasn't part of them directly. Coach Mack joining us on the line brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Coach, what's going on this morning? Jamar and Ramon, good morning. I was talking to Shafe before uh, we came on the air. I had a picture sent to my phone this weekend that all of you guys were in and looked like you were having a hell of a time, mm -hmm. and that was a great win for the Preds. So that had to be fun, right? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, no one had as much fun as Ron Slay. Uh, <laughs> the, dance, the dance video that's now been seen over 27,000 times in just over a day, but sports is so uniting. And, and here's the thing. And I know you, you will be able to appreciate this coach 40% capacity at Bridgestone arena Saturday night. Fans mean so much to the experience of sports, both for the players and coaches and those in it. And certainly obviously for the audience and the environment and the atmosphere. And that I think we missed so much last year. Oh, Hey, you know, when you experience it, and as I said, I've been, blessed in my life to spend, you know, over three decades in professional sports and fans are, are everything. And we really, really experienced without fans last year. I mean, that first ball game that we did last year as Titans radio at the second Monday night game at Denver, that was a strange, strange experience. And it continued to be strange without fans, you know, you know, being in the stadium, but it, you, you are so right. I mean, just when we did, when we were able to do the draft this year with people there finally again. I mean, Ramon can attest to this, that second night, how great it was there at, at the East Club, at the mm -hmm. stadium, but how great it was for us the night before at the Virgin Hotel just to have fans around. I mean, that that it, it is so important, and you are 100% right. That's why I say, when I saw that, looked at that picture, I went, these guys are having a good time for a good reason. And let me just say this. Does Ron Slate ever not have a good time? No, never. No, never. No. So I mean, that was just that was just Ron Slay being Ron Slay, right? Yeah. There's just 100. some people. There's just some people like that, and you're you're privileged if you're around people like that. Absolutely. Moan's another one. Hey, we just try to have a good time, Coach Mac. You and I had a great time. He's speaking of um, when we did the draft coverage for the Titans uh, about what about a couple, couple weeks, weeks ago. ago yeah. At this point now. Fully enjoyed that, man. Fans, Coach Mack, you know, everybody tell you, put the ball down to play. I'll play anywhere. I don't need fans. I'm here to tell you, Coach, I'm hearing from the guys I know, that, that is a lie. <laughs> they no, no, they you, want you the fans. fans. Fans are a huge part of the experience. That's why Mike Keith and, and his Hall of Fame career as, as a play-by-play as a, as a, as a -play man has always done the games with the windows wide open regardless of weather, because the fans are part of the experience. And if you really want to relay that, especially on radio to your listeners, you've got to be immersed in that too. Mm -hmm. So it, it, the fans are a huge part of it. As I say, I am so happy that we are starting to get back to where we can have fans again, because they are a total part of the experience. Coach, the Juwan James thing that happened in Denver last week led to kind of a discussion about the NFL and the NFLPA and guys doing things on their own personal time, you know, being off facility and, and training, and then maybe your season coming to an end. We saw DK Metcalf run a 10-3-7 in the 100-meter dash over this weekend. You, as somebody that's been in the league as long as you have, how do you, as a coach, feel – 
the balance, and I don't know how you balance this, but how do you feel about guys that you want them to be able to live their lives and have freedom, but at the same time, their livelihoods and in many respects yours exist around their ability to be available to you on Sunday afternoon. So how exactly do you balance letting guys have freedom to to do what they want to do and challenge themselves physically while also protecting protecting the shield and protecting your own organization? Well, uh, Ramon can speak to this, and I can too, because I, I, I know what contracts are. I mean, mm-hmm. there are clauses in contracts with, with hazardous things that you, that you just you cannot do mm-hmm. just because the chance of being injured doing that you know, away from playing football are great because look, I mean, you are, when, when you, when you're, when you're a professional athlete, I mean, your ability to perform, that's, that's why you're there. But at the same time too, I mean, I've never been one, I've never been on staffs. I've been fortunate all of, all of my years that if, if they like, like DK Metcalf doing that, look, DK Metcalf wanted, he wanted to do that and he worked out to do that. All right. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like he was he was jumping off the top of a mountain. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was you know, he was he was running. So I think it's, it's by individual cases. But for some things that you don't you know, that everybody has to sign off on. We just won't do this. We won't do this because the chances of being injured and being injured in a catastrophe are very, very high. Now, look, Jawan James, guys, I've, I've done this and, and, and I've done this longer than Ramon was in the league. Mm-hmm. I've never been on a team, even if a guy was on NFI, that he that that he was completely refused, you know, part of his money. Right. All right. And so everybody could see why if he was not able to play all year why his why his uh, his salary would be truncated but I've never been on a on a staff and I've never been on in an organization that completely wouldn't pay a player that was injured working out away from the facility his 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 uh, a part of his money I mean that just doesn't happen now I, I didn't I didn't read what was said but if what was said was was look he's not going to make any more what's he do to make Ramon over 10, million, over 10 like I that. think yeah 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 if he can't play at all well you know that's going to be truncated some, but I've never been on on a staff or in an organization that's just refused to pay a player. That's just not good business. It's not. And coach, I I, I brought this up at the top of the seven. When we were speaking on this topic uh, simply because of what you, you know, the business side of the game and how, you know, the owners deal with the PA and the people left out of the middle of this is the coaches. And I said this to the fact, I think the NFL released that statement about Jawan and offsite training and your money, your contract, simply because they want guys in the building. You've been a coach in this league. What do you want to do as a as somebody that's employed by the team? You want to coach, right? Well, absolutely. And But here's the thing. Here's the thing, too, and I can I can go back on 31 years of experience with this from all levels. You know, when I first started and and and, and I can say this, you know, with because everything that I tell you is the truth. You know, when I first started uh, with, with with the Bears and we were going 14 and 2, 13 and 3 and 12 and 4. Guess when we saw the players the weekend after the draft, mm-hmm. after the playoffs was over, because, you know, the facilities weren't there to handle you know, all the players there. I'll tell you, the one group that used to come into the facility and work out together when I was there with the Bears was the offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. The offensive linemen, just because they are a herd, and you know that. I mean, yeah. they were there, and they worked out, but nobody else was there, and so you trusted, you know, but you had a veteran team. You trusted them. Now, the way that it's, the way that it's evolved, everywhere that I've ever been, 
I've never, well, I've never experienced really having a problem having players come in. Now there are individual cases. And as a player becomes more experienced and a player, you know, becomes more attuned to what he needs to get ready. And, you know, as a coach, as an organization that they are going to be ready, but I don't, here's the, if players want, want to be there and, and to, and to work out, then they're, they're going to be there. And so to me, what has happened, especially last year, when everything was was reduced so much yeah. and none of not, nobody was around for a long time and you still were able to put a good product on the field, the better organizations. And you're right. One thing, Ramon, about that, the coaches are always put in the middle of this, but the better organizations and the better coaching staffs are going to be able to adapt to whatever goes goes on. And here's what I, I always learned and I knew very, very early on. You, there is not one size fits all for anything. There just is not. And so if you are together as a, as a staff, as an organization, and the players believe in what, in, what, in what you're doing, then they are going to do things that are going to be conducive to being able to be together when the season starts. So to me, this one size fits all and saying, and just, and just chopping off, you know, one instant and saying, this is exactly fits everybody else. That's just not the real world. Yeah. The Mike Sando article that came out on Friday in The Athletic where he talked to various personnel people and GMs, I guess, executives on all these teams about the first-round selections of all 32 teams, it wasn't flattering to John Robinson and the Titans about Caleb Farley with one GM saying his medical was terrible. God bless him if he turns into a good player. And then kind of laying out some other things that the Titans have done wrong in the past few years. It's not about assessing whether or not that's accurate or not. It's more assessing these kind of comments coming from who knows where they're coming from, Coach. Like, I, if the, I, I trust Mike Sando because I know how, I know his connections within the NFL, but it's there's always agendas behind things like this. There's agendas behind every opinion I think said by virtually any executive in the NFL. So I don't know what to make of stuff like this. How do you parse all this material coming from sources that aren't named? that are so sometimes so fiery against an organization. Jay Mark, first of all, I know you fairly well. You're, you're a very intelligent man. You really are. You know what to think about it. it look, if there's not an, I know Mike Sando and, and, and I respect Mike Sando, but I don't respect somebody not putting their name to comments. Mm. So if, if it's if it's anonymous sources say he they said they that word they in quotation marks is is really really one of the most damaging things ever they said well who's they and to me those t- type of of comments without a name attached to them are as about important to me as mock drafts <laughs> I just don't pay attention to it I mean I haven't read the article but when you just tell me that it's anonymous I mean why even care about it I mean, that that to me is that it matters nothing about what goes on. Look, you guys are in a very public forum with a show every day, every day is every comment about your show from and especially on Twitter, where it's way anonymous. Good. Well, you don't pay attention to that. You do what you do. You do what you know is right. And you continue to do that and do a good job. And you can't listen to that. It's elevator music, guys. Mm -hmm. It's elevator music. When the door opens and you step in, it's, it, it starts. And when, it, when you get to your destination and the door opens and you step off, it stops. But it had nothing to do with the elevator moving up and down. That's what those kind of things are. 
Yeah, it's That's well said. It is well said. And I was going to ask you about the fifth year option, but it's the fifth year option is just a thing in which, hey, both sides can start to negotiate or both sides can part ways. So we'll get past that one for a second, Coach Mack. The question I got you for, uh, have for you is this. Um, okay. The schedule is coming up. Uh, and, of course, they're going to make a big production about it. The NFL, everybody's going to release it. You guys are going to cover it also. But just as the layout of the schedule does it matter who plays who and where uh, when you when this schedule is released? Well, first of all, the, the answer is when the schedule's set, you've got to play whatever the schedule says, right? Yes, yes indeed. You know, unless it's like last year where you wait 16 days without practicing and then play on a Tuesday and still beat a playoff team. Mm-hmm. So we've seen everything happen. But does it matter? Yes, it does. I mean, when I was coaching, and you know when you were playing too, I tell yeah. you, when I when I was coaching, the coaching aspect of it, let me bring that to our listeners. You want to really know who to start digging in on and start putting your quality control people and your assistant coaches on, starting to look at look at, at tape. All right. Because if you're playing, if you start off early on with with a brand new coaching staff, well, then you're going to have to go back and dig tape from in the past from where they came from, because their tape last year with that team, if you've changed coaching staffs completely, it, it, it means nothing. So you're, you're that doesn't help you. So you, you look at that first. What I always looked at, I always looked at what the stretch run was going to be, you know, in December. Down, down the line, I, I looked at the opening, the first quarter of the season, and then I started looking at division games and then started looking at three-game runs, either mm-hmm. away or three-game runs at home, if some of those were there. And the next thing, because I worked on the coast. I mean, I worked out there. I worked, you know, in the, in the, on the coast out there in the, in the Pacific time zone, you know, at, at two places. And to me, you really start looking at how many coast-to-coast travels you have. And where they come. So there's a lot to it as a coaching staff when you start looking at it, because it depends on a lot of ways the way you set up how you're going to approach your preseason and how you're going to approach, you know, what goes on, especially in that first quarter of the season. So I absolutely looked at a lot of things. And the other thing that, that people will look at, I mean, your eyes immediately go to where's the open date? Where's the open date? Where's the stretch before, before, after? How many teams have an open date before we play them? How many teams have an open date, you know, coming off of, a, off of an open date? Uh, so all of those things I, I looked at and would, and would dissect, but your, your initial statement, Ramon, is 100% true. The, the schedule's the schedule, and you've got to play it the way it's set. When well, the schedule's coming out on Wednesday. Uh, there will be a Titans radio special here on 104.5 The Zone as we find out the order of the opponents for the Titans. I have a feeling I know what you're going to say here, but coach, would you rather catch a really good team early in the season, or does it even matter? I mean, like if you if you've got to play the Chiefs, if you got to play the Bills, if you got to play Tom Brady, if you got to play all these guys, would you rather catch them early, or every game's the same to you? I have a feeling I know your answer. <laughs> Well, no, no, no. Every game's not the same. Um, every game is not the same, but it, it depends. I'll tell you what really, what really matters, Jamar, and I can't, I can't predict that now. I couldn't predict it when I was coaching. How healthy are you and how healthy is your opponent when you play? Mm-hmm. Because the helmet can look the same, but if the dudes inside that helmet are their best people, well, then that's going to be a bigger challenge than if they've got some injuries and, and the, the people that are inside those helmets aren't quite their aren't quite their top guys. You know, that mean you know, attrition means a lot in the National Football League, especially now over a 17 game season. 
so when you ask me that, you know, is every game the same? Every game is not the same. Every game's the same only in one way. You have to win them. Yeah. You have to win them regardless of what your situation is at the time and regardless of what your opponent's situation is at the time. But as you approach it, depending on who's playing, who's playing uh, for you and who's playing for your opponent, every game is not the same. That's and I, look, I've been in nearly 700 games. I understand that. And that's the reality of the national football league. Well, you hope everybody's healthy all the time, but you, mm-hmm. you, you hope that you're healthy to start the season. The likelihood is you are, and they are at least more than you're going to be at the end of the year. So I guess it's Correct. more a question of everybody trying to get everything back in mode. Sometimes it's shaky. Sometimes it's rusty, all of this kind of stuff. So I just wonder if, you want to catch a Mahomes team earlier. You want to catch them late. Consider if we throw health out and just assume everybody's a hundred percent. Do you think it's easier to match up with a with a great team early or or later when they've gotten things kind of you know more buttoned up from a from just back into the swing of things standpoint? Well, I'm going to tell you again, Jay Mart, and you know this is it's never easy mm-hmm. with a great team. A great team is never easy, regardless regardless of where they are. I've been on great teams before, and we've we have we have gone into games where we've not played our best, but we were still able to win because we were a great team. Okay, and so what you're talking about, I think, is once teams have got a chance to get into rhythm with what's going on. I think that's what you're you're referring to. And so naturally, if you're talking about being able to catch somebody before they're able to completely get in rhythm and how, have all the spokes in the bicycle chain catch onto the sprockets, well, then you've got a point. Mm-hmm. Coach Mack, real quick, we've been having this conversation. Best sports moment or at a stadium that you've had uh, at any point in time? Well, that's hard. I know. That's hard I know. Because I've, I've been in – look – how 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 good have I had it all of my life to be involved in as many games as I said I've had in the National Football League? Yeah. I mean, seriously. I mean, I can't. It 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 it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to pick one. I mean, I've been to you know I've been to, I've been to U.S. Opens. I've been to uh, you know one one of the coolest events that that I've that I've been to just as a spectator. See, I don't go as a spectator much. We haven't had a chance to you know in my whole life because I've been busy in professional sports doing it, but. Uh, when we went over, we went over to London one year because Stan Kroenke owns the Arsenal. And, you know, you, you'd hear, heard about, you know, what professional soccer is, you know, in, in Europe. But to go to that Emirates Stadium and mm-hmm. to see going, whoa, <laughs> these people are really serious about this. I mean, it was, you know, look, any sporting event I've been to, I've been to a lot of them. I've been to all the, all the, the horse races. I've been to, I've had an opportunity to do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, guys, to me, and I'm serious when I say this, the adrenaline push that that that, that you get when you're involved in a National Football League game, whenever it's starting to kick off, I mean, I've got to put that above everything I've ever done uh, because it's just it's just real. I still get that adrenaline push broadcasting games because, mm-hmm. and you talk about the fans and you talk about all of those types of things. It's way cool. It's a way cool way to live. Yes, Coach, always a pleasure, man. Hope you have a good week. We always look forward to it on Mondays. It starts us off in the right way. Absolutely. Guys, you two guys are the best. Again, a really, really great picture you guys took. Tell Ron Slay, Coach Mack, really liked him in that picture. Will do, Coach. Yeah, I'm sure he will love it, too. <laughs> Health plan. You guys. Yeah, you too. Health plan from Farm Bureau Health Plans is for folks who are busy planning other things because we provide coverage you can count on. Farm Bureau Health Plans plan on us. 
That's who makes it possible for us to have Coach Mack every Monday. We appreciate that. When we come back, I want to jump into something just for a couple of minutes. And uh, still got another hour to go. And we can jump more into Sando as well here. Yeah. But um, I want to talk about Elon Musk hosting, hosting Saturday Night Live this weekend. Because <laughs> I think people miss the point here. And it drives me insane with some of the commentary that I've seen over the past few days. I think we need to have this out. Because it was a big-time cultural touchstone this weekend. But people got this entirely wrong. So yeah. we'll jump into that a bit when we come back. Jay Martin and Moe, 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back. Jay Martin and Moe, 104.5 The Zone. Jason Martin, 11-year NFL veteran involved for life. Ramon Foster, Jonathan Schaefer on Twitter at Mart and Ramon. That's where you can find us. Thanks to Coach Mack for joining us. Brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans. If you missed that conversation or any of the shenanigans we get into on the airwaves, podcast is wherever you get your podcast. Drop that five-star review. Helps us to grow. We appreciate that. Appreciate everybody watching us on 104.5 The Zone TV as well. YouTube rolling this morning. Twitter, Twitch, Periscope, Facebook, Facebook Live. It's all over the place. Mr. B. Cal says, big ups to you guys for being what radio and entertainment needs. We appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so a lot of people are just angry about Elon Musk hosting, hosting Saturday Night Live. And so I'm doing the Fox show Sunday morning, and everybody is just teeing off on this. Oh, it's so bad, so bad, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Did you, do you think that Lauren Michaels and Saturday Night Live put Elon Musk on there to be funny and good? I mean, seriously. I'm reading an article right now from somebody that's, that's pretty good in the industry that's just like this was a predictable disaster, but they did it anyway. It was going to be one of the worst weeks in show's history and all this kind of stuff. When's the last time Saturday Night Live has been talked about virtually at all? It's been a few years, has it not? It's been a while. Yes. It's been a little bit. Like, yeah, you talked a little bit about Alec Baldwin's, you know, Donald Trump impression. Then that got tired and old and people tuned it out. The Biden thing hasn't been interesting at all. Nobody's talking about the Saturday Night Live, right? So you go bring in Elon Musk. Elon Musk is not a funny person. He takes himself seriously. He's, you know, there's a lot of things about him to not like Tesla and all this other kind of stuff. But Elon Musk has millions and millions of Twitter followers and is a relentlessly interesting figure, whether or not you find him to be a hero or a villain. And every comment that I saw on social media just backed up the reason why it was a smart decision to put him on. Even the people that were like, I couldn't even get through the intro. This man's not funny. Well, first off, he didn't write the script for his own intro. He didn't write his own monologue. There were writers that wrote the monologue. The writers suck on Saturday Night Live. The skits suck. The monologues generally suck. This wasn't there to be good. It was there to be talked about. He was put on the show for a bunch of people to tweet and tune in and pop a rating for a night. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing I would say is, that's the night you should put on the best possible show you can put on because you've got an audience that's ordinarily tuned you out at this point in time. I think you've missed the boat if you watch that, if you still care about Saturday Night Live, if you watch that and you're just like, this is one of the darkest days in Saturday Night Live history and all this, they're, they're basically dark anyway because the cameras are off in your own mind because you're not watching them. All you did was make their point for them. They brought Elon Musk on the show to host Saturday Night Live merely to garner interest, to yeah. be relevant again. And that's exactly what they accomplished. They did. Truth be told, I I actually enjoyed the Gen Z bit that they had. I kind of thought it was hilarious, but I'm that type of guy anyway, though. I didn't watch it live. I saw the snippets and everything on social media, but he did exactly what you want to do. It also 
raised up his his point about the new guy that you brought up. You know, he's into the crypto and everything with this. Uh, I think. Yeah, well, we, we, we were talking about that guy, you know, the that guy stuff that we've been doing well, and we're doing and all that. that. Yeah. Uh, the, the crypto guy might be worse than loud muffler guy. Guy that wants to explain Dogecoin and Bitcoin to me. And he's got all this cryptocurrency and all this kind of stuff. It's the same crap with the non-fungible tokens, the NFTs, all the stuff you can bid to own a gift now. You can bid to own virtual artwork. What are you going to do with it? I don't know. It all seems scammy to me. It's just, I don't get it. I don't want to get it. It bores me a lot of times when it gets into the weeds and all this kind of stuff. But again, the point's just merely that Elon Musk wasn't brought on there to be good. And as a matter of fact, I actually thought subversively, because that's what Saturday Night Live originated to be, was, you know, Bakhtin's Carnival put on television in prime yeah. time on Saturday nights in late night. They, I, I could have even seen a world in which Lauren Michaels put on Elon Musk because he knew he was going to be brutally bad yeah. because it makes Elon Musk look bad. Saturday Night Live is the show that mocks Elon Musk. Yeah, you got to Did they it. sell out to bring him on, Moan? Or did they bring him on to make him look like a clown? There was a lot that went on. It may be a little bit of both of those things. Exposure, clown ways, and just the fact that Elon got an opportunity to build his brand. We talk about certain people that, hey, you know what? They're personally not going to fail. Elon Musk is always setting himself up for He's just, a, at the time, just a Joe almost in the sense of the world. And now he's turned himself into a star. Driving his e-truck through uh, New York City like optics. He won exposure. He won. Yeah, you might. He might took a L as far as the production and scripts, but he but you, won. But you tweeting out, people tweeting out about how bad it was. You missed the boat, man. Yeah. All they wanted was a bunch of people to do just that. Mm-hmm. Whether it was positive or negative, look. A lot of times, I disagree with the idea that that all publicity is good publicity. There's no such thing as bad publicity. I disagree in some cases. In this case. Elon Musk knows he's not funny. He wasn't trying to get an A-plus rating here. He put himself on TV in front of a large audience, and SNL cashed in because you watched so that you could then say something about how much you hated it. So you lost. Mm -hmm. You were the sucker. Mm -hmm. You were the mark if you were one of the people that was doing that. Fastest four hours in radio. Next hour, we'll have Ron Slay on to discuss what happened on Saturday night with him dancing and, and the video that's gone viral, certainly. And we're going to talk more about the Mike Sando article and anonymous sources when we come back. J. Martin and Moe, 104.5 The Zone.